from the newsroom of South Coast Today. This is ST Speaks, a podcast diving deeper into the news of the day and covering hot button issues that matter to you. You're listening to ST Speaks. Welcome back to the Courtside with Kurt podcast. I'm Brendan Curie, Standard Times digital editor, and as always, I'm joined by Kurt Brown, our longtime Courts and Cops reporter. Thanks for being here. Kurt, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks, Brendan, for being here with me. All right. So we got an interesting uh, podcast here today. One thing that we've been talking about a lot recently is bail mm-hmm. and issues between the district attorney's office, even the mayor, the police chief, and local judges mm-hmm. on where bail should be set, who should get bail, uh, when bail should be revoked, when bail should be withheld, and all the issues surrounding it. And so we're going to look at a couple of different cases recently that really kind of highlight some of these issues with bail, and especially some of the frustrations uh, from Bristol County District Attorney uh, Thomas M. Quinn III. Mm-hmm. So the, the first one that's kind of been the real hot topic for about a week or so uh, has been the two sh- uh, alleged shooters uh, who were released on $2,000 cash bail uh, by Judge Edward Sharkansky. This was last week, and they are the two suspects in a noontime shooting on August 31st Mm. uh, that happened at Campbell and Chestnut Streets. Mm -hmm. Uh, House and a 2015 Honda Accord Mm -hmm. uh, were damaged. No one was shot. Mm. Um, Both suspects were armed and were identified by witnesses, prosecutors Mm -hmm. say. They recovered seven shell casings two live rounds in the middle of Campbell Street near Chestnut. Uh, So these guys were brought in. It was for a dangerousness hearing, was it not? That is correct, yes. Uh, So this this bail issue is just something that is not going to go away. Uh, The the two sides have... uh, real issues. Uh, One has an issue with the law, the other one has a real issue with uh, uh, judges. Uh, The the mayor and the district attorney are very much on the side of public safety. The uh, the judges uh, are are considerate of public safety and their decisions reflect that and the conditions that they impose, Uh, but they're they are strictly following the law. Now, the we're going to be talking about the state's dangerousness statute uh, here, and this is it's important distinction here that with uh, with the with the dangerous law, it's a two prong law. One that you have to be it, you have to prosecutors have to prove that the person is dangerous and the second biggest hurdle is that prosecutors have to show that the only way to protect the public is through detainment so there's those two things that they have to prove the other thing to keep in mind and it may be a little confusing as you read the stories is that uh, dangerousness hearings uh, in district at the district court level the defendant can be held for up to four months. At the superior court level, a defendant can be held for up to six months. Don't ask me why. <laughs> That's a product of the Mass State Legislature. So one thing that we always mention here is that the purpose of bail is never to be punitive. That is correct. The purpose of bail is to ensure that the person will show up at their next hearing, their mm-hmm. next court date. 
They are innocent until proven guilty. So you are not trying to punish them by holding them in jail. You are only supposed to be holding them in jail if you are confident, A, that they are not going to show up, mm-hmm. or as you mentioned, B, these dangerousness hearings mm-hmm. uh, where they're, you know, they are believed to be a danger to society and that there's right. no other way to prevent them. So they held a dangerousness hearing uh, for these two guys, Angel yeah. Rosa Santiago mm-hmm. and Jan Carlos Apantes. I don't yeah, know if Apantes. I'm... And so what happens at the dangerousness hearing? Uh, Judge uh, Edward Shakansky, who's a former Brost, uh, Brockton defense attorney, uh, he went, seemed to go right up to the, to the edge, but then he stopped. He set $2,000 cash bail on each. He ordered a home confinement for both. He ordered 24-hour home, home, home confinement. He ordered um, GPS um, devices, bracelets on each of them. He ordered no contact with the victims, and there were two uh, all the witnesses, and there were two witnesses that identified both of these men, and no contact with each other. So in other words, Rosa Santiago cannot contact Apontes or vice versa. So those are the conditions that uh, he imposed because he apparently did did not believe that the state had met its burden of proving that the only way to protect the public was by uh, pretrial detainment or incarceration in the Bristol County House of Correction. Uh, Now, as as a counter to that, I guess I'm just going to read directly from a uh, Thomas M. Quinn quote. Mm -hmm. So open quote. If shooting at someone in broad daylight doesn't make you a danger to the Commonwealth, what does? These types of decisions continue to undermine the public's confidence in the judiciary. So that was uh, Thomas M. Quinn. I mean, it seems like he has a point to some extent. And, and um, I've known Tom Quinn for many, many years, and he is uh, not a person uh, to make rash statements like that. Uh, His other quote said he was very disturbed that the judge released these two defendants for shooting at someone in broad daylight. There is no reasonable justification for the judge's decision. So he was a little fired up about this one. He sure was. And uh, a very intelligent comment was was made on on my Twitter account. And for those of you who would like to follow my – who have Twitter would like to follow along, it's uh, Kurt – uppercase C, Brown, uppercase B, underscore SCT. Well, uh, this follower mentioned uh, on my Twitter account is who is going to monitor whether or not these two uh, men abide by the conditions of the court? I mean, what a great observation. Uh, By law, the probation department is, uh, will, uh, will monitor their activity. Um, I don't, in the past, or uh, what they've done is they'll drive by the house with the wand, and if the wand, uh, um, the wand will show that the uh, two people are our home, and then they'll just move on. Um, maybe they have something different planned. But now, do you know this? I, I've not asked you this question before, so I may. This, it's yeah. always dangerous on a podcast, <laughs> but. Do you know if there's anything uh, that alerts them if they if the GPS device moves outside of a certain radius of the home? Like, if he if he went a mile away, would their alarm go off somewhere and I cops can't pull answer up? That. Or, okay, 
I it's always I, dangerous asking questions here, but that I was think just something I know that came the to answer, mind. But, but I don't want to yeah. give the wrong one. Uh, but I mean, is it possible that they'll take a knife or a, a scissors and and uh, cut the uh, bracelet? Oh, absolutely. Well, and that segues us to another case that happened uh, just last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually, on Thursday, a New Bedford man uh, was returned to Massachusetts after he was arrested in Puerto Rico, yeah. and he did precisely that. So he did, he did precisely that, but let's back up a little bit and let's talk about the crime. That he, yes, uh, so this that, is Xavier Betancourt Echevarria. Correct. And uh, so he has been charged with setting a tenement fire on North Front Street. This was back in February. Correct. February 28th. February 28th. uh, He allegedly was in a dispute with his landlord and was being evicted and was angry about it. Mm -hmm. And so he went to a gas station. There's some surveillance video of him going to the gas station, coming back with some gasoline. Mm -hmm. Uh, He then allegedly put the gasoline in a Sunny D bottle, Mm -hmm. poured it on the floor, lit a match. And uh, it displaced, what was it, 13? 13 people, people for that 13 night. 13 people were displaced for at least, at least one night. Uh, so, so he was arrested. Uh, yes. He confessed. Yes, he uh, did. According to prosecutors. And then he was released on $500 cash bail. Well, it went for... Uh, okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, so in March of this year, uh, the DA's office, uh, again, DA Quinn... Um, called for a, a dangerousness hearing bef- uh, before Judge Franco Goborn. Um, again, it's at the district court level, so prosecutors were seeking four uh, months of detainment. Um, Judge Goborn um, doesn't believe they've met their burden. Uh, he sets bail at $500 cash and a GPS bracelet. Um, and that's the last they hear. Well, the, right? the, the prosecutors are still suspicious. They don't like uh, the decision whatsoever. So they move immediately for an indictment. Uh, now, what an indictment does is it takes the case out of district court. It elevates it to uh, superior court. Uh, arson is a very serious crime. Uh that the district court level, district court does not have jurisdiction over an arson case. Arson belongs at the superior court level. So they indict him in April. Uh, in May, he doesn't show up for his arraignment. Uh, so they went back to the grand jury. They got a, another charge of failure to appear. And then they began to search. Where is he? And so at that point, they discover that he has cut off his GPS bracelet. That's correct. And has fled to Puerto Rico. That is correct. Uh, so kind of the exact example of what someone can do if, if you let them out uh, and they're a risk to flee. You're absolutely right. Um, so now uh, U.S. Marshals get involved. Yep. And they have to track him down in Puerto Rico. And uh, I'm assuming great effort by them. Uh, they catch him on August 20th in mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. And uh, he came back to Massachusetts on Thursday, hmm. and uh, so at least now that he is being held without bail. Yes, he is, and there is a uh, dangerousness hearing at the Superior Court level uh, on uh, September 25th. Uh, so D.A. Quinn um, told me last week that he was very upset by this case. Uh, he said 
I had to reach out to the U.S. Marshals to get them involved in our case. Uh, they had to expend resources. Uh, there was a possibility that some of their um, uh, men and women uh, could have been injured while uh, pursuing this case. Um, and, and as he's quoted, this is another strong quote from D.A. Quinn. Open quote. This was an absolute waste of resources to have to hunt this defendant down in Puerto Rico. He never should have been released by the district court judge in the first place for a case in which he confessed to setting fire to an occupied building. This was an extremely poor decision that was totally unnecessary. Close quote. So he's he's, uh, pulling all the punches right now. He's not holding anything back. Those are very strong words. And keep in mind that... um D.A. Quinn is fully aware that he's going to have to go back to that court again. And he might, he's going to. I mean, this was obviously a conscious decision he made. I'm sure he went over the pros and cons in his own head and discussed it and decided that he wanted to speak out about it. Uh, This is a subject that D.A. Quinn talks about um, all the time. So, where do you see this general issue heading? I mean, there's got to be. It's, it seems like it's getting more divided as we go, and it it's, it's getting further and further from compromise or understanding. I think the SJC, the state's highest court, has to set some guidelines down on how you hold people. Um, the uh, Brannigan decision, which is seems to be at the root of all this, has had a seems again to have a chilling effect on on the. Uh, on the on the lower justices, uh, it almost begs the question of whether or not there needs to be uh, judicial training uh, on the issues of how you set bail. How do you reconcile the Brannigan decision on one hand and protecting the public on the other? And they're also in a, the judges are in a tough spot because they're not. It's much harder for them to come out and comment publicly on this. They stuff. can't. They can't talk they about can't. it. So, I mean, they, at the most, could they could maybe talk in huge generalities or... No, they can't. Even beyond that, though, they can't do they, any they, media they interviews? They cannot or? talk at all. The judicial canon of ethics prohibits them from discussing their decision and the cases. All right. So, meanwhile, the DA, the police chief, you know, can certainly get their complaints out there. So and the judges gonna, are kind of handcuffed as far as defending themselves and what the, they're thinking is. Right. So this is going to continue to be uh, an issue uh, moving forward. Uh, we're planning to cover it very uh, carefully. Uh, in the next few months, we're going to be taking a look at the uh, dangerousness hearings in New Bedford District Court. They have spiked tremendously. Uh, yeah, after hours. You've heard some stories of uh, folks putting some OT in there. Literally night court. Yeah. <laughs> uh, court is supposed to be over at 4.30, Monday to Friday. Uh, it's been running well after 5, sometimes after 6. Not banker's hours anymore. No, lo- no longer. Yeah. yeah, so those are, I mean, anything else to comment on the? No. Uh, no, I, I think we want to bring it to the attention of the public and make them aware. Um, uh, ju- uh and hopefully talking through it kind of makes it a little bit easier to understand and right. elucidate some of the intricacies of it, you know, those four- and six-month differences and some of those intricacies that people kind of stumble over. And, you know, these aren't cut-and-dry, easy topics. There's no, a lot of gray area. It, it comes down to protecting the public, and it comes down to... And protecting uh, kind of constitutional rights, really, uh, right? You're absolutely right. I mean, this, it, they do not want to hold somebody unnecessarily... And so there's a stru- the, with the every time somebody hears of a dangerousness hearing, they need to think of two things. They need to think of 
is the person dangerous and is there any other way other than pretrial detainment to keep the public safe well that is the hurdle that the judges have We'll leave that as the last note there. As always, you can read uh, Kurtz Brown's work in the Standard Times and on SouthCoastToday.com. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, especially iTunes. If you like it, give us a little five-star rating there. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening.